welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. This is episode 52. My name is Adam. Hey guys, my name is Jared. I don't know why I said that in such a weird voice. Anyway, um, Jared, did you know it's Rugby League's 125th year birthday this weekend? Um, I did, only because you told me about 10 minutes ago, because NRL did not advertise this fact. Yeah, I know. Um, I, probably because they, go, they don't get any money out of it. Yeah, probably. I saw this on Twitter, actually, um, from a UK, uh, which Super League team? It might have been Huddersfield, actually. Uh, put it up and I was like whoa no way I actually did not know that and um, so I did some digging and yeah smack on 1895 was when uh, rugby league was born in the north of a little island uh, you may have heard of called England Um, yeah pretty much Uh, literally Broke away from Rugby Union, then broke away from the UK. So, the working class game as we know it, uh, over in England in 1895, the Northern Union or Rugby Football Union stated, if men couldn't afford to play, then they shouldn't play at all. And so, the guys who wanted to play but couldn't afford to broke away and started their own comp. Changed numbers from 15 down to 13, and it uh, pretty much grew from there. Um, Over in Australia, New South Wales and Queensland, New Zealand, similar thing happened, and uh, Rugby League was born. It's continued to go, you'd hope to say, from strength to strength. So happy birthday, Rugby League. Um, You are looking the worst for wear in some areas, but looking pretty good in others. Oh, jeez. I wish I'd kept the scrums, though. Bloody hell. Yeah, scrums are a bit... Um, not something you'd advertise as a great part of you. I actually saw a few pushes on the weekend, though, which were good. Oh. Um, I, I reckon it's going to go the same way as a strip. The strip. Um, so, a couple of years ago, uh, Canberra, mainly Josh Hodgson, started stripping the ball a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and now everyone's doing it, and they actually brought in a new rule that if there's two people in a tackle, one falls off, the other person's still allowed to strip the ball. Um, so they actually changed the game to bring the strip back in. So I reckon one team eventually is just going to start pushing in the scrum. Why not? Yeah, I, I don't see why they don't. Like, it's perfectly legal, and there's a chance you win the ball. Um, and um, a lot of teams back in the day actually used to get union coaches in to teach them how to do how to do scrummage because they actually do it correctly. Yeah, you, know, you get low and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so I, w- I was actually kind of thinking that the Roosters were going to do it this year because they had Michael Checker, Chica on their um, yep. coaching staff. But I reckon there's going to be a time where coach is going to go, look, it's a part of the game that we can exploit. And if we can get on top of it, get a few players who get really, really good at it, 
it's going to take you know a year or two for everyone to catch up to them. So maybe we, we shut can shut that uh, down really quickly. What do you mean? In pro rugby union teams, you have a scrummaging coach who literally just coaches scrums. You can't. You, you can rugby league can never get a scrum like rugby union because of the training involved in it and the safety concerns for the players. But if you just want to. I, I re- literally reckon like the 80s sort of scrums where they just put their heads down, it pushes and it moves front, sideways, whatever. That's less dangerous for the players than them trying to pull off a rugby union scrum. No, I'm not saying just straight up a rugby union scrum. I'm saying start just pushing. push. Just I, push. I, and if you're taught how to do it properly so your scrum doesn't collapse, that's why I say bring the union guys in mm-hmm. um, who can change the way they're coached to suit rugby league. Like, when they do tuck in, they, they, they kind of like, they, they harbour Bridget right now. Yeah. Um, if you start from the bottom and work your way up as far as your original position and work your way up to when you do your connection, mm. you're going to have more, like, well, pushing ability. That's just how it works. So, I just, you, you played union more than I would. You'd understand yeah. it a lot better. But my point is that, I just think when someone starts doing it and then they win a few scrums out of it, like against the feed, everyone will start doing it because it'd be, it'd be the new wrestling and the new stripping of the ball and the new, yeah. I hope. I hope. I think just looking at there's a there's an article up on NRL.com um, about a guy, uh, Mick Stevenson, who, who played for Great Britain and Penrith. And he's talked about abolishing scrums from the game and of course, using the 125th year anniversary of rugby league is the perfect time to do it, supposedly. Uh, but definitely like getting getting rid of scrums. And I don't think you can because on the with the changes they brought in over uh, the off-season with the regards to being able to move the scrum to where you want it, we have seen a lot more tries off scrums. And... Um, yeah, people are scrummaging in weird positions like Melbourne scored against Manly today with Sofa Solomona in the back line off a scrum play. Um, and it was really cool. And who scored one out wide uh, off a scrum? So it might have been the Sharks. Yeah, it was. Um, I think one little rule they could change to make sure scrumming and pushing does come back in uh, you got to feed the ball into the tunnel in the middle instead of one foot in front of the guy at the back of the scrum. Yeah, I, I like that. So, a couple of weekends ago, I actually played a game rugby union. I think we talked about it. Um, I was petrified. I was all like, oh, shit. Because he told me he's going to put me in the fours. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do this scrum properly. I got it out in the field. It was uncontested. Yeah. So... You, you put it in the yeah. middle of the tunnel and it was this super slow, like, pushing it out the back. Yeah. And, like, this sucks. But if it was actually contested, it'd be way, way cooler. But it was interesting you mentioned that Asafa Solomona was able to get out in the centres and he scored that really good try. Mm. If Manly pushed in that scrum early in the game, that try wouldn't have happened. Nope. Because if Manly were pushing every single scrum, there's no way in hell they'd have Asafa Solomona out in the centres. Nope. So, so look, <laughs> to be honest, it'd be something that Ben and Shane Walker would probably bring in if they were NRL coach. That's something they would definitely look into. But 
I I really wanted to happen one day, and then I wanted to see a team win a premiership of it. Because for something as simple as stripping the ball and how good Josh Hodgson was actually good at it, how, how good he was at it, sorry, that kind of led to Canberra winning a few games just by simply oh, yeah. pushing it, by simply stripping the ball because he'd done it in such awkward, like, the positions he did it were really good. He, he timed it well. So something that could be as big as pushing in the scrum and winning, you know, maybe if they only win three out of, like, well, mate, one uncontested, one contested scrum against the feed. That's a win every single week. More. Yeah, I so I can already you... see people arguing, going, um, the other team's made a mistake. Why should I have to put it in the middle and give them a chance to win it back? Nah, uh, because the, the game should always be contested. No matter when yeah. the ball's in play, the game should always be contested. And you've already got the advantage. You've got an arrest. Um, They've made the mistake. You've got the ball in your hands. If you've trained your scrum well enough, you'll even see in Union, even though they're contested scrums, it's still pretty damn rare that the ball is turned over in a scrum from the other by the other hooker hooking the ball. It's usually because they've been pushed off or or um, cycled around. But if you put it, when we say it's got to be played in the middle column, you don't put it 50-50. It's still aim towards your team, but it gives the opportunity for the other team yeah. to hook for off a push. I reckon that would be And do you know what it'll bring uh, in a better rule. Then re- it'll bring in short stocky forwards again. The, because you got someone like, I don't know It'll bring back hookers. Not just yeah, Nelson Sofa Solomona, um Dave Clender really tall, rangy motherfuckers. Yeah. The front rowers. They wouldn't be very good in the pushing situation. Just because they'd of the to, fact they'd that they'd have to be at the um, back of the scrum. Yeah, and it doesn't work. But then you bring in like, you know, the old like school the front row, like tug of war. Yeah, like the the like Peter Tunks. I don't know if many people remember him. He was like short and built, or Bugden. Mark Tukey. Yeah, it's guys like that. Four <laughs> wimwe. Wim, wim. It just you brings imagine, stuff like that. You imagine being and the hooker between Tukey and George Rose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it had to be Mark Riddell. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about it is it would bring it also bring fatigue back in the game because right now that it's like connecting, Listing. bending over, leaning on each other. Right. And if you do that you tested scrum every time, they would start tensing way before the scrum can even I reckon it's a game a great thing a coach can really utilize eventually if you can find the what players. What do you reckon the coach do should do if it's a defensive scrum? Do you still reckon that they just allow the other team to push? Why would you allow the other team to push? I'm just thinking about it. So, feel the defensive line of a scrum. You've only got to be 10 metres back from where the scrum is, right? Hmm. If the scrum starts moving towards you because the offensive team's pushing, the defensive line doesn't have to drop. It's just got to be... Yeah, but if it starts moving the ball, before the ball's going to come out. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, if, if you're defending and you don't push, you just let them push, that's cool yeah. because you're actually bringing the ball close to the defensive line. Yeah, but that's only if the ball doesn't come out straight away and it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, though, I'm just already thinking of tactics. Uh, I, yeah, I just, I, just like, I just like the idea of someone bringing it in. Um, if I was a coach, um, I'll definitely be bringing it in, especially around local leagues. 
because yeah. no one, no one will know how to build in local leagues, hundred yeah, percent. So you great. get a get ring up the local union scrummaging coach and bring him in for a few sessions in the preseason. Well, look at this. We're already like twenty minutes in, and completely off topic. But anyway, happy birthday, rugby league, and thank you to those poor people in England who couldn't afford to play rugby union and decided to play their own game. Rebel against the man. Um, <laughs> other news. Uh, Jack DeBellin um, has failed in his pre-trial argument. Um, he will be facing court in November on five counts of uh, assault. Um, yeah, his argument or plea was pretty much thrown out at the uh, at the first step, and oof, it's not looking good. Um, obviously, it's not affecting his contract situation with Dragons and Warriors still. Seem well, his contract runs out at the end of this year. Yeah, I mean, it's not, there's no shortage of interest of suitors for next year. Oh yeah, um, already. Yeah. And um, so that's. I think there was kind of a feeling that he was going to get a win in this part of it, and that 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 has not been the case. So that's been pushed to November. Um, that's one of the things we'll talk about another time. There's no fault. Uh, policy that the NRL have got um, with regards to their foresight to how long a player could actually be out for. And if found innocent towards the end or at the end, they could have been out like, say, this is DeBellin's case. Uh, they could go a year or so without being paid if it falls into a contract year. So that might be something we can talk about at a different time. Um, yeah. Pete Flandes has also come out this week. Our God. Just think, imagine if, you, imagine if this came out like five or six weeks ago. This would have been the biggest news. And now, like, the footy's actually taken over. This almost flew under the radar. Um, when Vlandes and Abdo came in, one of the big reasons was the expenditure the NRL was having, basically, looking at $500,000 a day in operating costs over the season, um, looking at one point. I'm sorry, $181 million uh, throughout a financial year. And that's one of the things that Flanders want to cut down. And he's come out and basically said they're looking at saving $80 million a year. So instead of $181 spend a year, $100 million spend, that takes it from five hundred grand a day down to two hundred grand a day. That's a huge change. A yeah. huge change. Uh, but what I do like, and he, he said this very, very forthright and very much near the front of his press conference, was that this isn't going to affect the product on the field. Fans will largely not even notice there's been changes. Most of this is going to be around NRL headquarters, uh, which, like, you'd think it's of most industries, yeah, the people at the top are getting paid probably uh i'm not gonna say unfairly but the ratio from the top to the well, players at sometimes um is quite oh, what's the word exorbitant is that the right word i'm looking for too much it's yeah, too much way too much it's way too big a difference um so i was reading through that going rah, rah, rah. um throughout this COVID 19 Clubs are making accumulated losses of $33 million a year, uh, which isn't sustainable. 
Um, you can't attack every problem by throwing money at it, rada, rada, rada. But one thing I found slightly against everything he's been saying is it's expected the $9.9 million salary cap for 2021 will be decreased slightly. Yeah, that, they kind of snuck that one in, didn't they? They did. And I thought, that's a big change. Yeah. Uh, especially off the back of the last TV deal where you're looking at, what was it, $2 billion? Um, $10 million salary cap is tiny when you... I guess it's still big in Australia, but it's such a small figure in sport. Um, dropping that even more so, that means less of your uh, top level to elite talent probably not getting paid their due worth. Well, another thing about it is that for the current contracts, they're based on projected to yep. have that salary cap. So... I know I keep going back to it, but Newcastle did sign Ponga for a big contract. Um, that was projected that they're still going to have X amount more in their thing to give to him it's... or give to someone else. So that's going to... Um, and then, you know, obviously you've got Tumalolo and Cherry Evans, the big one. I'm just going on the most recent big money signing. Yeah, it's so, not going to affect um, those guys. No, it's, it's not. But they, 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 they made those contracts with... NRL telling them that yeah, at yeah, this yeah. certain time the the salary cap's going to raise. So, yeah. what what uh, it's happening in the American sports right now? This exact same thing. Um, NHL was projected to jump from eighty one to eighty eight next year. Um, it's, staying, it's staying at eighty one for the next two years. Uh, some clubs are looking at being nineteen to twenty million dollars over the cap by the next two years. So they've got players. Now, um, their average contracts are around $3 million. So that's still four players off your roster you're looking to cut and then have to fill. So in the NRL, the players that this affects are your, your mid-tier players. Your entry-level contract guys won't be affected. Um, your top-level elite guys aren't going to be affected. It's your guys looking for three, four-year contracts at your 600000 or your 500,000, it's going to look more like, oh, sorry, it could look more like three years at 350 instead of four yeah. years at five. That's a big difference. It's all those middle sort of guys that this may affect. Um, and the football department cap uh, will decrease from 6.17 down to five. So that's your coaches, that's your strength and conditioning, that's your physiotherapist, all that sort of stuff. 6.17 down to five. So that's a big cut. Um, outside of that, it looks as though it's going to be everything else toward towards NRL headquarters. So that's quite interesting to see what pops up out of that. Um, what else has been happening off the field? Do we want to oh, do... Uh, Ike and Bennett and the Broncos? Oh. So, this is just on rumours at this point. Have so, we talked about Seabold being sacked? Yeah. Walked away? Oh, yeah, we did too. Yeah, that went on for about 45 minutes. My bad. Yeah. So, obviously, and this is just starting to really piss me off, though. Um, well, hi, Dean. So, obviously. Sorry? Hi, Dean Young. <laughs> so... 
every coaching vacancy um, in the NRL, Wayne Bennett gets linked to it because he said to everyone that this will be his second last year as coach in South Sydney and he'll hand the the reins off to Anthony no, Demetrio. What? Jason Demetrio. So he's given South Sydney a clear plan. He's given them their replacement coach. So yes, every repli- every new coaching thing that's come up, which has been five this year, Bennett's been touted as a possible replacement. Just whatever. It is what it is. That's how the media runs their, runs their life. Um, but it's come out that Broncos are interested in signing um, Bennett as a, I think it's called a head of football or coaching director um, because they're looking at bringing in Walters as a, um, what's the word, a co- or the head coach. Mm. Ben Iken, funnily enough, Bennett's son-in-law, who is also touted as the next CEO of the Broncos, has said there's no way in hell that Broncos should be going backwards in signing Bennett. Hundred percent agree. I I agree. Yes, um, a lot of the ex players are mad at this because the Broncos ex players are pretty much going. If you don't sign an ex Bronco who's been there and done all, Broncos going to lose their culture. Or we're we're an old boys club, so there's no use in bringing someone else new in. That's what the blow up with the Broncos is currently. Mm. So it's very, it's going to be very interesting what happens um, with the Broncos because what their season's over in a month. Um, they better hurry up and get their new coach sorted. They better hurry up and get their new CEO sorted because something needs to be done here. Um, Paul Kent has come out and said that um, that Paul Green is currently ahead in the coaching race for the Broncos spot over Kevin Walters. But that is also Paul Kent. So um, yeah, I'd love it to be an actual race. I think they should just set up an obstacle course and just see who gets through it first. Um, I think the winner doesn't have to go to Broncos; the loser has to. So it'd be interesting to see what sort of tactics are in there. But um, all this stuff about the ex players, the ex players—that's years ago. Things have changed. Um, yeah. If you're shouting out for Bennett to come back, that shows how bad a position your club is in. The fact that every time something goes tits up at that club, they're like, oh, Bennett will come and save us. Um, that's not how things work, guys. Like, you, you, can't, you can't just um, go out and grab your ex-best player from 10 years ago, bring him back, throw him on the field and think it's going to fix everything. Uh, I, I always respect what Bennett's done, um, but every premiership he's won has had literally a superstar roster bar pretty much the um, St. George one. And while that wasn't maybe superstar, there was a hell of a lot of good players in that. And especially compared to what the rest of the NRL was at that time. I can't see him walking into the Broncos and just winning a premiership considering when he got to the grand final against the Cowboys, that team then was a hell of a lot better than the one um, that's there at the moment. What, Paul Green? No. um, When Bennett won, like, got to the grand final against the Cowboys. 
Oh, yeah. He had then is a hell of a lot better than the Broncos team now. Uh, you can't just keep, yeah, they can't just keep using this Bennett. Fat well, it's not even just Broncos. Thing. It's every club. I know, like, I like, know. Going, it's <laughs> just stuff it. Like, bring young blood in. Bring new ideas. It's got to, in this whole business world of sport now, it needs, that club needs to be restructured. Now, the fact that they're talking about Ben Ike and as favourite for the CEO, where um, we've been unable to find anything with regards to his uh, business acumen. Uh, we know his knowledge of the game, and he's a, he's in a very uh, he's in a unique position in that he got into the the top level very young, but he was out of the top level very young as well. He was retired by what twenty six. Uh, yeah. But he's been in and around the game still that whole time. So he's had a lot more time Look, on the sideline than as a player. I'll, I'll never agree with ex-players being... I, I understand them in the coaching positions. I understand them in directing, uh, football directing positions. I understand them in talent scouting. That's fine. You don't need to have someone who's an ex-player as a CEO. Oh, I I disagree with that. If they've got the other side of stuff on the board, like if well, they've got a an established business career or they've had experience that way, like um, uh, it's a different field. But Steve Menzies coming back to help Manly, he's a quite a successful mortgage broker. So if they brought him into their financing department or something like that, it'd kind of make sense because he's got that financial experience i would never get a mortgage from that man. i know especially if you walk in wearing headgear just for safety <laughs> um but actually you would though you would, would get a headgear <laughs> uh, brent kite's a um uh i was gonna say registered a qualified lawyer like they do do stuff off the field but yeah, if it's not their if the, if it's not their business background, yeah, I I could be hesitant as well. The other side is they bring a view of a business that's different to someone completely separate from rugby league coming in, um, like an independent well, commissioner. The, when you look at it right now, the best um, CEO we've got in the last probably twenty years has been Peter Valandis. He's a, he doesn't have much of an... He's got a sporting background, but he's got a business background. He did play rugby league. Uh, did, did he? For a fair while. Yeah, yeah. He was... Um, <laughs> a story about him... Um, uh, played for the Reds down in, uh, in, in Sydney. I'll find it. Okay. It was relating to um, one of the stories we covered. You keep talking while I find it. Yeah, righto. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, so I'm not 100% sold on the idea of Iken, but I'm not 100% sold on the Broncos thinking that they need an ex-Bronco to save them. I still maintain what we talked about last week, that Sean Wayne's an ideal candidate. Oh, yeah. But Broncos will have to find... And there's get, the Broncos have to find their own way. The stupid thing is there's going to be a ridiculous amount of pressure on the next Broncos coach, which comes with the territory, but the situation they're in now, um, hopefully they give him the appropriate amount of time to bring them back from where they are. Because if Broncos are expect if Broncos fans are expecting results in the next year, they're kidding themselves. 
Oh yeah. So um, that's a, that's a, that's the danger of having such a successful club, though, is they want change quickly. Um, something this big is going to take, yeah, two three years, I would say. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't make the finals uh, for the next couple of years, unless they sign some players because their roster's starting to look pretty thin. Nah. There's no players too late to be signing big name players now. No, no, no. I mean, like, if they want to make the finals next year, they need to sign big names now. But that, to me, would not be the smart move. I'd be, yeah. I'd be looking at re-establishing what I have there, getting the most out of the squad there, and then adding your mid-tier players that are going to complement or slightly yeah. move the needle until you're ready to make another push. Um, yeah, you got you got to look at mid, and you got, there will be a few signings to be made. Um, there's, there's a few obviously right now the most obviously poaching spot is Roosters and Penrith because they've got such strong teams it gives them the luxury of having quality players sitting on the bench mm. so they're the best, or, best or, teams yeah. to be sorry or teams that are pushing the cap that are yeah well that too but like you know um I just before we came on here, I talked about how um, Roosters are going to have trucks to are going to struggle next year to pick some players who've been playing really well during this period for them, mm. and um, with the players that are going to come back, even with Verrills and Radley coming back next year as well, they're going to struggle to. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of quality players who are currently playing for the Roosters. That would benefit that a, a, a lower team would really benefit from. So I'd be looking at them, and then you got Pembroke, who's got so many players coming through the juniors. That's what they're known for. You got a lot of players coming. The thing through with Penrith as well, they they. I'm trying to think of anyone they'd have on big money. I think Tamo would be their biggest earner, and he's off contract at the end of this year. And that seems as oh, interest to reason. Yeah. Ne- ne- next contract for Cleary would be huge. Oh, that's right. Next contract yeah. for this group are yeah. uh, going to be a hell of a lot bigger than what they're on uh, currently. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know. Roosters, that's. Cole Flanagan might be a. Uh, might be someone you'd look at if you're going to be restructuring your club. Brody Croft hasn't worked out. <laughs> um, you, you, I'm sure you'd be able to find a Super League uh, a bidder. Like, look what Jackson Hastings has done since going over there. Um, looking at moving Croft off the books and picking up Flanagan if uh, you've got your Drew Hutchinson and your Sam Walker down there. Um, and you're locked yeah, in. That'd be interesting. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, so... I reckon, that, I reckon that'd be a good little exercise. Let's put up our best Broncos team for next year and see who's on the open market. Well, I've got a bit, my best Roosters team for this year and who they're missing out on, if you want to see it. All right. Well, yeah, we'll, do, we'll throw that in when we do our, um, our review. And that's what we'll uh, get on to now. So we'll cover injuries and um, suspensions first up. So... Uh, Jared was just doing the most updated ones, so I'll go through the ones that were up first. And if there's anything new, throw it, throw it my way. I'll throw it the way. So, Storm uh, thumped Manly this afternoon. They may have lost Marion Seve for the rest of the season after a suspected ACL tear. Um, so that's a six to nine month injury. If 
if confirmed. So Ruben Garrick suffered a grade three AC joint injury um, and Hasler confirmed that Trebojevic is still a couple of weeks away. I wouldn't want him back this season anyway with Manly pretty much out of the finals. Michael Morgan picked up a calf injury only two weeks into his return. He'd be looking, what, at least a month will say something like that. Uh, club estimates, oh, three weeks. Mm. We already know Tamalolo's off. Uh, Jesse Ramian sat at the second half after, oh, that was a pretty violent head knock. Two guys run for the ball. They both missed it, but they did collide heads instead. Uh, Isaiah Yo sideline after a head knock and failed his HIA. Latrell Mitchell's probably the big one of the round. Torn uh, hamstring tendon or a ruptured hamstring tendon, I should say, out for the rest of the season. Um, as it looks. No, it is, yeah. So it'll be assessed by a surgeon with a view to repairing the tendon. That could, oof. A torn hamstring, let alone a tendon, uh, not looking good. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, we'll go over them for next week. That's just uh, Dylan Brown suffered an ankle injury. He's been ruled out indefinitely. I think update news on that. He will be getting surgery. Um, we'll we'll look at confirming that. And Jake Friend was ruled out after a HIA. Did I miss anything? Is there anything new from the Canberra Bulldogs game? No, not that I know of. All right. Do you want to run through the uh, suspensions? I'm just going to clarify the Dylan Brown one, so I'm not scaring. Oh, are there any suspensions this year, this week? Um, I'll have a look. Um, hold up. Brown, 16. Okay. Oh, yeah. Dylan Brown undergoes surgery for syndesmosis. Oof. All right. So, uh, Jacob Host, um, he's got Done for dangerous contact on Tyrone Peachy. Um, he's one match if he's guilty, early guilty plea 75 points. So he should be all right for next week. Sam Lasone, tied and dangerous contact on head and neck on Billy Britton. Um, early guilty plea 112, guilty if he pleads innocent 150. So he should be out for one week. Joe Offangali. Um, oh. This is when he dropped his oh. knee into Jake Friend's head. That was. Um, yeah, so Ellie uh, Guthrie 120. So, either way, he's missing next week. Regan Campbell Gillard, dangerous throw on Campbell Graham. Ellie Guilty plea um, 75. So, he, if he gets off it, I doubt he will. For what he did, we'll, he'll probably have one week. Basami Solo for Newcastle. Uh, dangerous contact on George Jennings. Um, early guilty plea will be 112, so he'd be missing next week. Cohen Harris, crush a tackle on Sione Katoa. See, uh, yeah, I don't see that one. Yeah, so he's out. Um, early guilty plea will be 150. Um, does he have any carryover points? No. So if he gets early guilty plea, you get one week. If he pleads innocent and gets charged guilty, which, by the way, the hell NRL have been running recently. He probably will. He's going to be out for two games. That shits me. If this happened three weeks ago, you'd fight it and he'd probably get off. Um, yep. Because they got to be in their bonnet about this for these next three or four weeks. Um, 
They won't have. And then Jake Trebojevic was put on a report uh, for a crusher as well. And okay, in yeah. the tackle, so, it was just like three people, and it just happened that he he twisted and ended up in front of Trebojevic. He could have twisted and ended up in any of the other two. Um, yeah. So breaking news that this come out in the last five minutes. Uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. will not be getting sacked. Of course he won't. From the Broncos. Um, I think that's a load of shit. Yep. Because he admittedly broke the bubble five times, and I've said it before, um, that is endangering the NRL. And if he wasn't a high-profile player, he would have got the sack. So if he wasn't a quality player... um, So I, I go back... Uh, six or seven years ago. I can't remember who the famous player was, but I remember anyone... Do you remember Ian Lacey? Yep. So he got done for drink driving and he got his contract ripped up by... It was the Broncos, actually. Yeah. It was about six or seven years ago. A couple of weeks later, a high-profile player got done for the same thing. And he got a slap in the wrist and a backdated $20,000 fine with like $19,500 suspended. (laughs) So that is probably one of the worst things NRL is known for. If you're a good player, you draw in crowds, you can get away with essentially anything. Um, As a Newcastle fan, all you have to do is look at Andrew Johns and they cover up. They knew he was doing drugs on the side throughout his whole career, but they covered it up. So it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I, I, I a, hate it. That's the best way to build a culture back to where yeah. it needs to be. Good on you, Broncos. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he turns around and um, looks to get out himself. I wonder if he's... Uh, they, well, they said he hasn't been sacked. I wonder if there's going to be a restructuring of his deal. Um, no, he's going to see how his contract. The reality of it is, is I'm putting money, 100 bucks right now on the fact that in the next year, he will do something. He'll be in the headlines for the wrong reasons again. Off the field? Off the field. On the field, I don't care about. It's, it, he, he, he's a stupid player on the field. You can forgive that shit, but... Off the field, I reckon he's going to, you know, go off the rails again the next year. Mm. A player so, guy, certain teams can afford to have players like that where you know that you're going to get three weeks of game-breaking talent and then you're probably going to miss them for the next two weeks because they'll be suspended. Um, that, that's what annoys me about it. Right now, the top two teams of the last 20 years have got to be Roosters and Melbourne. Mm-hmm. They did not have players like that when they were winning. Oh, uh, I disagree. The closest you can come is Rhea Hargraves. No, I was going to Adrian Morley. Okay. Yeah, okay. But it's the minority. They, yeah, I know. That's what I mean. It's it, There's few teams that can have players like this. Like, you, like Melbourne there as a game breaker, but he was there as an enforcer. Like Melbourne for the last ten years have not had anyone like that. The closest you, you can probably throw in Michael Crocker, maybe. Yeah, 
There's yeah. no but yeah, he, he always know he knew where the line was, so he could yeah. Uh, that that's the closest uh, Melbourne probably came to having someone like that. And now the most like they Craig Bellamy didn't put up with that shit. He if he's yeah. gonna play some pay someone six hundred grand to play in the back row, he better be playing at least twenty one games a season. Mm. And if he's not, he'd fire him. Yeah, that's true. So and yeah, the like the, the back rows he's had, like Proctor, Hoffman, Fanukin, um Kafusi. Kafusi, who else has he had in his in the Crocker? He's had that many great players. Kenny Bromwich. You don't hear about Bronco, many yeah. Melbourne players in the judiciary. And you don't hear about many Roosters players other than Maria Hargraves in the last five years in the judiciary. It's just... And they're on top. So yeah. the fact that people think, oh, it's all right, you need that kind of player. Last 10 years of Melbourne and Roosters proved you don't. Look at Pemroof this year. They don't have that. The closest they probably have is Fisher Harris, and he's calmed his shit a lot yeah. this year. Um, Parramatta have Nathan Brown, and, and he's had to because he's their best forward, but he hasn't been able to. Like, they've probably suffered for that reason this year because he keeps coming out. So I don't. I it, I, I did say it is on the field, and it happens. I don't care about it, but they're not going to win a premiership if they do have that attitude. Doesn't no. rant it. I, I would look at him like a. Um... If I was see, I'd be structuring his deal based around performance bonuses. So yeah, if you get suspended, we want you, you, we want you at this club because of the way you play, and that you can intimidate, but also win us games. However, the amount of time you spend on the sidelines is concerning. So if you can play twenty four out of twenty six or twenty two out of twenty six, and say it's a fifty k drop off each two games or whatever, you could do something like that. Um, I would love to see something like that for a player like that. I reckon it'd be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's relevant in all other sports. So, huh. um, and and it's the thing, like like I said, Craig Bellamy would not pay someone like Pangai to play six hundred thousand dollars a year no. to miss, you know, eight or nine games in the year. He wouldn't yeah. do it. It's like you've got uh, they're literally just performance bonuses where you've got huh. all right, you're on one point two million this year. But if you score 10 goals, assist on 20, and are on the field for 80% of the year's minutes, you can pick up an extra 400 grand or whatever. Yeah. Which, for players like that, who... And, you know, every player walks on the field in their debut with a clean slate of not having that stuff. So, it's not like you can say that it's a... it's unfairly biased towards you. You're going to walk on that field with that shit on you as well. Like right now, who would you prefer to have in your second row? Boyd Cordner or Tavita Pangai? <laughs> you're thinking about that. My point is, when was last are you, time talk, you, saw... are you talking about my, like, are you talking about Manly? No, I'm talking, I'm talking about anyone. Like, I think it's team to team. No, but if you could pick up Cordner for the same amount he picked up Pangai, you're going to pick up Cordner every day of the week. And they play exactly the same positions, left-hand hand side, second yeah, row. Yeah, I'd see the same thing. I'd, I'd still say based on team because Cordner's going to miss just as much time, but more likely due to injury. 
And yeah, okay, I'll take okay. Um, who's yeah. your second rower? He very rarely misses a game. Um, Kafusi. Yeah, you'd pick Kafusi over him. Um, say Kafusi. But I'm yeah, there's there's others. There's others. If Joel Thompson was signed on for another two years, right now at Manly, I'd take Pengai because I've got Sirenin and Thompson, both very tough line runners, hard-nosed footy players, similar breed to Cordner, but we don't have a X-factor forward like a Pengai outside of... Um, yeah, no one. So... Okay, okay, i got a question. Okay, i got one. Tupanua or Pengai? Tupanua? Yeah. Pengai. No, nah, Pengai. No way. No. No. Tupanua still has that game-breaking ability Pengai does. I don't. Maybe. I haven't seen he's it. More, he's definitely more consistent. I haven't seen it. Oh, anyone can be consistent walking into the, a starting background. Oh, okay. Um, Whitehead. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'd take Whitehead. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. yeah. So... Say, it, 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 it does come down to... It, Performance bonus for him, I think, would yeah get the best out of him and probably a a more disciplinary coach as well. To be honest, if if you threw a performance based contract at Pangai and this shows how mad I actually am at him, I reckon he'd throw his um, throw his lollies out of the cot and try to leave. All right, see ya. Yeah, I, I reckon he would. I reckon he's the type of player who would do that and go, no, you pay me this or I'm leaving. Where the players are look. Where by that kind of contract, the co- the the club is looking out for their best interest instead of his. That's what the club's doing with that kind of contract. Yeah. The, the club yeah. should always so, look after its best interest, not the players. That's yeah, well, the Broncos are not looking after their club. best interest right now. No, that's why you get a successful club and players take unders to be there. Hence, Luke Keery. We haven't even mentioned his contract like a couple of weeks ago that he signed a three-year. Yeah, we did. Chin. Yeah, yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. yeah, we mentioned it and we talked about this exact thing, the culture at Roosters. He's prepared to have Tedesco running off him for the rest of his career. Oh, yeah. He's going to make him look good. He's going to pick him up origin jerseys. He's going to pick him up Australian jerseys. Yeah. All he's right. the skinniest halfback in the competition, but he's, the, one of the, he's probably the best six. <laughs> and he's a bobblehead. Um yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, the footy from this weekend and uh, the fact that we've been talking about Parramatta not looking their best um, the last fair few weeks and and taking out the 14-0 win that they had against the Storm last week, which was impressive, but also taken with the fact that Storm were missing a host of their regulars, uh, Munster and Smith most notably. They came in against a South Sydney team who belted Manly the week before um, and were looking good, who then also lost Latrell Mitchell uh, in, in, throughout this game and absolutely shellacked Parramatta. And, yes. Woo, I know when so, you'll be saying that zero looks better than the 38. Yeah, so... Parramatta were close to full strength on this, I'm pretty sure. They weren't missing too they, many anyway. Parramatta have been full strength for the last... Since Mitch Moses came yeah. the last four weeks. So, for the first time in my life, I've actually been defending Parramatta for the last month because 
they were still winning despite not playing to their potential. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm still not ruling them out because it's still four weeks in the season. But that's a that's a big thing to say. A big thing to happen to them. Um, I think Brad Arthur will be also mad about the zero. Like Parramatta he said, he was very attackers. surprised. He didn't. See yeah. So. Um, yeah, 38 nil sucks. For, but for the biggest thing we talked about para this year is their attacking ability. Mm. Um, the, the team, you know, Moses, Brown, Jennings, Madison, Sevo, um, all those. Oh, they've got played. a very... At- Fergo, Gufferson, they've got a very attacking team. So that's what I'm actually more surprised about, the zero. But <laughs> like I said, I'm not ruling them out, but you can probably see a little bit of them being what the Dragons were for the last five years, made premiers, like, you know, early season favourites then um, dropping off. Yeah. I wanna... That's how I see them. But I'm, I'm still not ruling them out, though, because they still do have that team. Yeah, I don't think you can rule them rule them out. A um, couple of things we've talked about previously with regards to Parramatta, the fact that they've had these late-season blowouts not going to say frequently, but um, more than once, we'll say, over the last five, six seasons, uh, where they showed what we expected of them and then just completely capitulated. But what Matter fans would it be thinking, hoping that this isn't the start of that. I don't think it will be because the squad is better and it's more settled. However... One of the other things we've talked about, in order to win an NRL premiership, you need luck and you need minimal injuries. You look at the Storm, you look at the Roosters, they've had injuries everywhere over the last three, four weeks, um, but they've been looking more impressive than Parramatta, who have had almost a clean bill of health um, compared to the other big teams. So to me, that's more concerning. The fact that they haven't had the injury um, uh, concerns yeah. outside of Mitch Moses and haven't really taken... They've won, but they haven't taken advantage of it with regards to form and momentum. Yeah, so a lot of Parramatta fans were walking into this season quite confident, which... That you know, they were justified. They had the team. I think they were justified. Team, yeah, the team was. But the thing about them is that if you ask Parramatta how last year went, the first thing they'll probably mention is the first week of the finals where they beat fifty-eight nil over Broncos. Um, and what that what's come of that is that that wasn't so much Parramatta, but that was Broncos' attitude because that's what's come out this year. That's what proven more than anything. But I bet you... Do you remember what happened the week after? I don't know, because Broncos were one four out of five to get into that position. Yeah, but do you remember what happened the week after? They, got they lost 58. Yeah. They got beaten 32-0 by Melbourne. Mm. So, yeah, they had a more attacking team, but for probably, the on paper, the most attacking team in the competition... They kept get they do get kept to nil a lot more a lot more than you'd think because um, who who did Newcastle play did we oh, 
Someone got held to nil, I think, last week or the week before. Mm. And the, it was the first time they'd been held to nil since, like, 2003. Oh. Was it Cowboys? Was it Cowboys? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's like, holy par- crap. That was against that's, that's, Parramatta, wasn't it? Yeah, that was 17 years ago. The Cowboys got kept to nil. Um, and they haven't had the good teams that you know, Parramatta have right now. So, but they had they had Knights Knights twelve nil. So they had about four or five years. I know first one was in the team, but their their team was not good at all. So for this attacking team to be consistently held to nil, like I don't know if they've been consistently held to nil. That's two times in a year. Really? Yeah, because no, no, not this season. I mean, in it calendar year, because they got beat held to nil by Melbourne. And they got held to nil in this game by um, South Sydney. That's two times in a calendar year they've been yeah. held to nil for so one of the talking, best attacking yeah. teams we've seen in the last 20 years. Well, big call there. Because um, we've been talking. Oh, it is. It, if you, the, their team is ridiculously stacked, leaning towards attack. There's not many defensive players in that squad. Yeah. Well, we. Yeah. Okay, that's true. We talked about their lack of scoring last this time last week, I think, because yeah. it's all the way back in round eight. They beat the Cowboys 42-4. But <laughs> since then, they've scored 10 points, 18 points. Granted, 26 points against the Tigers. 18, 14, 12, 14, nil. Yeah. So you average that out, that's about 14 points. Um, that's not enough to win... Actually, it's enough to win finals games if your defense is also holding its thing up. But they've also let in 38, um, 14, 12, 16, 16, 18. So the defense has been still good until this game. Uh, yeah. So yeah, for for but, for a team, if you if you saw that team on paper, it's it's hundred percent attack. There's not. I'm trying. I'm honestly trying to think of a defensive player in that team. Uh, Nathan Brown. Yeah, but his biggest thing is making those big runs up the middle. Yeah, I know, but he's that's one of the, solid defensively. Yeah, he is. Free but money. Like, there you go. Boom. <laughs> but like Junior Paulo is an attacking front rower. Regan Campbell Gillard is an up in your face front rower. Um, and then you look at your bench. You got like Nicore, and he's an attacking player. I, I will admit Andrew Davy and who's over. Who's their bench bench players? Ray Stone. Ray Stone. So yeah, he's a halfback. But who's oh. who was their bench on the weekend? Uh, uh, David, no, you got Davy uh, Evans and Yeah, no, you got yeah Davy, Andrew Davy, mm. Kane Evans, and Confuci. That's a, that's almost an attacking bench. So it's very. They, they shouldn't be kept a nil with the 17 they've got on that field. 100% no. Especially the back three. You've got Guffers and Fergo and Sivo. Like, That's true. You're I don't understand at, um, what's going on. We're looking at their run home. Warriors could be a banana peel again there. Um, and then... Yeah. Ooh, that'd be a good game. And then Broncos, Tigers. So they, they've got the last two weeks. They should be building some momentum going into finals. The next two weeks... Um, could be quite tough. So uh, let's have a look at now that you've just brought up their back three. I know we're we're spending a bit 
on the first game, but I kind of just want to have a look at the back three stats with regards to running meters. Um, obviously, Gutherson's wouldn't be up there, and Sebo's. Fergo, um, Fergo's not had a good year. Oh, Gutherson, um, 196 meters. Yeah. Um, oh, it's not letting me scroll across. Of course, it's not. Wait on. Let me just expand that a little. But yeah, so uh, for, for a team stacked with talent like that, they should never, ever kept be kept a nil. Well, how about we talk about the Rabbits for a sec, eh? They, the last two no, picks... No. I'm not taking anything away for the Rabbits because scoring 38 points against the top four teams, always a good thing. Yeah. But if Parramatta, with the team they had, have got 38 points against them, they should be able to score 40. Yeah. With the team they got. And that's my point. Like, Yeah, no, I know it's your point. I just want to um, talk about how good the Rabbitohs are as well at the moment. Yeah, I still don't yeah. rate them. 196, 170, 130 metres for their back three. So, yeah. uh, they sort of run the ball, but... Yeah. yeah uh, so, I, I, think, I think the Rabbits are... They're they're in a funny spot. Like they've they've had to chop and change quite a bit this year, especially in their back line. Um, you look at this week, you've got Corey Allen in there. You had no uh, Alex Johnson. You got no James Roberts, although he may be back for finals. Whether you bring him in or not, I don't know. Um, there's been times throughout the year where Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds haven't been together, but they're finding a way. I think the Latrell Mitchell. I think the Latrell Mitchell injury is going to be – it's going to have a big impact because we saw when uh, Alex Johnson came in, he doesn't have that sweeping cutout ball ability that Latrell Mitchell's got. He doesn't have the swift little hands. And the biggest knock on Mitchell we knew was his fitness. And Johnson on the wing and um, Paulo on the other wing – They've been able to get back and cut off a lot of the field anyways uh, with regards to diffusing kicks. But I do think it's going to have a big impact on their attack and it's going to throw a lot more onto Cody, Cody Walker and um, Adam Reynolds. Although Adam Reynolds has looked better the last couple of weeks than he has all year. And that try of Cody Walker's where Adam Reynolds ran to the line and then jumped back away and then ran to it and then put Cody Walker through a gap was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so um, obviously, yeah, they've lost Mitchell for the season. So a lot more pressure is going to actually, actually come on Reynolds and Walker now for that reason because I, that, yeah. just, that just loses that obvious flair um, and ability because their replacements looking probably either Corey Allen or Alex Johnson, I'm guessing. So didn't say gay guy was out either. Yeah. Oh, fullback. So who goes to fullback? Johnson or Corey Allen? That's my bet. Unless they want to throw Jackson Paulo in there. But I reckon some consist I think you'd have to go with Allen, eh? Because that, that that's nah. smallest change for everyone else. I've got something to think about. I would put Troy Dargan at six. 
and put Cody, and put Cody Walker. Walker at fullback. Yeah, that's not going to. That's that. Oh, giving him more time fullback. with the ball. Sorry, he covered fullback when Inglis was injured. Yeah, giving Cody Walker more time with the ball is a good thing. So you get in the ball on those sweet plays where he can, where he's running onto the ball. I think will be better for him than having to create, and he can pick his moment when he comes in, other than organising. Mm. So players like Cody Walker, who has more spark ability and all that kind of stuff, who plays on instinct rather than, you know, structure. Mm. I think they're better at fullback than they are at five eight. Which I'm not taking away from his ability at five eight. I just think that's a better position for him. He's definitely he's fit enough. Oh yeah, he's got the ability. He's good enough under the high ball. So, um, I just think it. It's, I think it more depends on how Troy Dargan or whoever they bring in at six handles it more than how Cody Walker handles it. So I think that looked make all right more... when he came in anyway. So yeah, I yeah. So be something there. I... Yeah, I reckon it's more. I reckon more teams would be afraid of Cody Walker out at a fullback because they don't have Mitchell than having Corey Allen, Alex Johnson back there. And as far as the fullback replacement goes, um, we can't confirm if it's true or not. But South Sydney has supposedly tapped Alex Johnson on the shoulder, saying, "Mate, you're not going to be here next year," mm. which is super, super surprising because he is in the frame to replace. He is in the frame for you. Second string, second fits, second string back, fullback. Back, 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 back. Yeah, second string fullback over the fact, and like he's definitely probably their best winger. Like, oh, definitely. That'll come yeah, down so, to they sign Jackson Suwali. That's what that's coming down to because the guy. Yeah, so I, I'm. I would love to pick up Alex Johnson back in Newcastle's back line. I reckon. Oh, bugger off! He's coming to Manly. <laughs> yeah, you that guys actually need they, but. We probably we can't probably afford him with the two signings we've made this year. We're going to get rid of a few. All right, but, um, let's uh, yeah. let's leave that one there. Let's uh, jump on to uh, what I said was going to be a pretty exciting game, and it turned into it, especially in the second half. First half was a bit of a slog. Uh, I missed the start of this game. I want to say start. I meant first twenty minutes, and I turned on. It was two uh, nil basically, to the Dragons at that time. And I was like, well, what the hell's going on here? Expected some points. And then everything happened in the second half. So, Titans, man, like we said it last week, Holbrook signed an extension. They haven't set the world on fire this year, but they've showed a hell of a lot of backbone. They've stayed in games um, against more fancied opponents. Think of their loss to the Roosters uh, earlier in the year at the SCG. Um, they're showing guts and, and and he's getting more out of these players than we've seen from some of these players with other coaches. So, yeah, it, it's, it's another missed chance for the Dragons. You look at the missed chances they've had this year and they could be in the bottom half of the eight. Um, only one try from the Dragons, which is surprising considering how much they've been scoring lately. Uh, to me, was a was a bigger surprise. Um, Tyrone Peachy looking the goods at lock. And then um, Jamal Fogarty's scoring the the last try. And I'm saying this with a bit of a smile on my face based on uh, 
what Dean oh, Young at a press conference ah. afterwards. Uh, well, um, I was saying before we came on air how much fun it is having a having interim coaches, um, especially when they come to press conferences because if they don't have an eye on next year's job, they kind of speak with a bit more uh, license. They don't give a shit. In other we'll words. Say, yeah, they don't give it. I, I know, I think they give a shit, but they also just speak kind of how we want to hear the head coaches speak sometimes. And basically, Dean Young came out and said that he'd given the Dragons... Oh, no, sorry, he didn't say the game plan, but it became known the Dragons had been given a very simple uh, game plan. Limit AJ Brimson, uh, defend laterally for the, the sorry, defend as a, as a unit, one line, and defend kicks for the 80 minutes because he, he'd identified that Titans' most dangerous attacking options were AJ Brimson or off kicks. Um, AJ Brimson ran for 192 metres and made a decisive break to set up Jamal Fogarty for the final try. And it got to the press conference and Dean Young was basically along the lines of, I'm pissed off because we didn't execute the game plan and it cost us a win. But it's just nice to see a coach with his head down, finger in between the eyes, just going, I'm pissed off. Uh, instead of going, oh, yeah, we didn't really show up or the boys didn't get off the bus or any of that crap. I love it just for that. I feel for the Dragon supporters probably looking at this one like a, um, a win, but good on your Titans, good on your Holbrook. Um, AJ Brimson always sniffing. He's, he's a he's a gun little fullback. This guy, if he can keep his back in check and and stay stay on the field rather than off it, um, it, it Titans are looking like they got a pretty bright future. And some of the images after the game, especially the last couple of minutes, show that this core group your your Brian Kelly, Ash Taylor, Keegan Hipgrave, all these young fellas are really. Um, Coming together, it, it, it yeah. So, uh, uh, if I was a Titans fan right now, I'd be really looking forward to next year. Yeah, not be, not only because of the signings they're going to have, but because, as Adam said, they're wanting to play for each other. They're yeah, coming together well, and that's they've got huge. a huge. Yeah, so they've got a good attitude, which we always said was one of the biggest things. So. Justin Holbrook's obviously done something right down there. Up, yeah, down there for us. So it'd be very, very, I'm very interested in how Titans go with the team they have next year. Like they're going to have easily one of the best forward pack, young forward packs in the club next year. I just realized when he said up there, down there, every team is down there compared to us, except for the Cowboys. Yeah. Shut up. So, <laughs> even a 50 oh, Melbourne are probably horizontal to you right now. Yeah, but, right. um, so yeah, so it'd be really good, um, next year for Gold Coast. They've got heaps to look forward to as a supporter. Yeah. Oh, I we'll still get, think um, finals, finals might be lofty. I wouldn't be nah. surprised, but I wouldn't be going, it has to be finals or bust. No, nah. no, I reckon it has to be next year for feeder SASO Pharmaceutical with. Uh, what's his name? Fodawaker, Keegan Hipgrave. Yeah, but we also talked last Brimson, week. Brimson, Taylor. 
he had a new coach in um, three three years is your time. So he's had a year. This will be his first full off season getting players in. It's going to take time. I'd say second half of next year is where you really start seeing what his team. Uh, I think. For Gold Coast next year, the pressure will be on Ash Taylor. Yeah. He's on the big money, and he won't have the excuse of the forward pack not going forward because he will have a forward pack that's going to go forward next year. This is true. Um, so I think the biggest pressure... because He's on, he, he's on a million. He's, you know, he's there for... He, yeah, I just think he has to really step up next year and control every single game because he's what he's been in the NRL for about three or four years Ooh. now, hasn't he? That's and that's also yes, he has. And that's also the Titans fifth win. And for Kieran to get his bet in, they need three more um to get their eight wins. And they've got Bulldogs, Broncos, Seagulls, Knights. Um either that all four of those teams are playing. There's a chance they'll get them. Um I'd say I just hope Bulldogs win at least one more game this year. Yeah. They have to, I, I, Bulldogs have to I'd take Titans in all four of them right now. Yeah, um, that's not wrong. Okay. <laughs> and that's mainly Newcastle's Yeah, players. I know. <laughs> you, know, you know how bad Manly and the Broncos are playing and then how inconsistent Newcastle is? I'd say Bulldogs have the best chance of beating the Titans out of those four teams right now. <laughs> Most they scored, they scored 20-something points against Canberra tonight. I don't see any yeah. other three teams doing that. Oh, Knights could, but I don't know if they could defend it. Um, so let's talk about <laughs> embarrassment of the weekend. Now, one commentator was an ex-player. I can't remember this. There's so many people have an opinion. They said, take out Katoni Staggs and David Fafida, um, and the Broncos probably wouldn't beat an intra-Super Cup side. That's a cute uh, <laughs> Cup side. And when you look at the score sheet for the Broncos from this game, Katoni Staggs and David Fafita scored the two tries. Uh, Fafita's try was literally out of nothing. It was just brute strength, individual tough yeah. running through three Roosters players, and that's what you're buying. Um, you'd have to agree. Like, they... Yeah. Uh, the defence... The defence in this game... Nat Butcher's try in the 60th minute. Oh, Jesus. We're going straight there. Yeah, I'll just... It just points everything. And I know Darius Boyd's getting ripped to shreds for this, as he should, because he was completely wrong-footed by a freaking bench second rower. But the fact that for Nat Butcher to get the ball, that play started on the other side of the field, or midfield, you had Tedesco allowing him to run across, link with Morris, flick the ball back. Um, who's the young blonde fella? Um, came off the bench. Hutchinson? Oh, Freddie Lussick. Yeah, Freddie Lussick. Sorry, yeah, that's right. Um, tried to offload, landed on the ground. So this play's gone sideways. Lateral play, inside flick pass. They're not going anywhere. Inside ball, lands on the ground. Freaking second roll picks it up, runs through... A hole of nobody palms Katoni Stag off, like absolutely swats him away. Sorry, second time Katoni Stag's got palmed off in that move because Morris did it to him too. Um, runs away from Fafita and then sidesteps Darius Boyd like he's a freaking goalpost. And I went, 
I've seen a try like that. It happened to us like four times a game in C grade. It, so, <laughs> so um, I just want to do a comparison right now. A comparison? To, what, how do you say it properly? Comparison? Comparison. Okay. So I know Tedesco is at the peak of his powers. Um, but of um, Robinson's comments after the game. Yeah. So Trent Robinson said it again, and he couldn't be more correct. So last week he said, "If you want to see an outside back play, watch the Morris Twins because everything they do is just like, oh, professional, amazing." They they could they could play the hard slog where they could play the elite talent mm. of jumping everywhere. It's just everything they do is just right there, correct. But he also said the same thing about Tedesco. So Tedesco's pro, oh, you, you must have played at least one fifty games by now, I reckon. Um, prime of his career, um, he comes in. Um, it, according to Trevor Ross, he comes in every training session or every week going. Look, I've got this down, but I want to learn this now. He wants to get better. And the biggest thing I can say for him this year is ball playing has gone to another level this year. His mm-hmm. try six would have been massive. You know, he could always sniff out a try, but his try six. Um, and then his positioning, you know, he's always off yeah. for that offload when they make a break. He's everywhere he needs to be. And then you compare it to Darius Boyd, where I think that Darius Boyd, and he was a good player in his day, got to a standard and went, this is good enough. I don't have to learn anymore. Oof. And for that reason, Oof. No, no, so I, I honestly reckon he's gone that, he's just, and for that reason, he, he it's like he doesn't care sometimes. Honestly. Oh, yeah, he you can care. see that. You can see that. Yeah. And that's why I think he doesn't care because I think he peaked and went, I'm done. This is the best I can get. I'm not going to learn anymore. I'm not going to do anything else. And his performance has just gotten worse and worse. And, you know, this year he peaked a little bit. He went pretty well when he came back to fullback, set up a few tries. But if you so he did, take he did out... The, he did the one thing that he does well. well. Yeah, so that's my point. If you take out where he sweeps behind, gets it off the block play, and, and I will admit he picks the right person nine times out of ten, if you take that out of his game, he's got nothing. Whereas Tedesco, he keeps adding different things to his thing. And then if you go back to Boyd's generation, Slater, his ball playing got better over the years. He played, then he done everything else better. So he kept learning. I don't think Boyd's got that I want to get better attitude. That That's when, when you said like... Um... Yeah, I, I think it comes down to stuff that we're not going to know unless someone actually comes out and said it. But yeah, it comes down to the attitude of uh, your work ethic, which we can't really talk on because we've never seen him at training or whatever. But I think another side of it as well is um, physically uh, talented. Oh. Uh, some, no. you, you, you are limited um, for what your body can do, but at the same time... Um, he can do a hell of a lot more than what he is doing. Yeah, so... Like, um, Nico Hines coming off the bench for the Storm right now would do a better job at fullback. Yeah, so I was I was actually quite mad at 
<laughs> very rarely say this, but mad at Ponga on the weekend for the amount of times people got past him. So two of us check burned him. I think I think Jazz to Vega burned him as well. Like they just stepped yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. And but the f- difference was Ponga did at least lay a hand on him. But I think posit Ponga goes for the leap instead of actually getting in front of him. If you watch it, watch yeah. when it does happen, he kind of he, he ends up horizontal trying to get yeah. to him and he just falls off him. But he That's at least touched him. With. And I would be okay with Boyd slipping over like he did. It didn't. If slip it over. happened once, no. But if it happened once, how but, many times did this happen to Boyd? Like, oh man, he was so out of position that he literally <laughs> popped a squat on the ground and fell over back. Yeah, and he had thirty meters for to get in position. Like now, it's just my favorite tweet. I think from the weekend was um, someone said, "I don't get why everyone's getting into the Broncos. They improved." Because Roosters beat him fifty nine nil earlier in the year, um, <laughs> so they won. it's like a thirteen point swing. Uh, did you see the bet that was doing the rounds that a, uh, a punter had on the Roosters for this game? No. L- listen to this line. He had Brett Morris anytime try scorer, Josh Morris anytime try scorer, Tedesco anytime try scorer. Over forty four and a half total match points. Sydney Roosters race to twenty points. Brett Morris to score two or more tries. Roosters to score first try. Roosters to score last try. Roosters to beat their negative 25 and a half line. Roosters negative 11 and a half line first half. Roosters 13 and a half line second half. Joseph Manu, anytime try scorer. Um, Daniel Tupo to score a try in the second half. How much money do you get? All of them, except for one. Is that the Joey Manu try? Oh, sorry. Yeah, two. And he bet on the wrong Morris brother. He had, <laughs> or he got um, Brett Morris to score a double, but Josh Morris scored the double. But he was probably he, thinking. He was probably oh, thinking of the other brother scoring. He didn't know the difference between the two of them. The confidence of putting that on. That was, um, <laughs> do you know what the odds of that was? Like thousand to one. A hundred and forty-one. Is <laughs> that all for a, like a fifteen-leg multi? I'm pretty sure the Broncos going into this map was the highest rating outsider in um in yeah. betting. So touching on that, it. So touching on that, so over kick nine out of ten as well. This week, yeah. So this week, Boyd Cordner, uh, who else came back? I think two others came back this Daniel week. Daniel Tupo. Yeah. So and. Triton. Trent Robinson came out and said potentially three are coming back next week. So oh, that's um, Kiri Crichton and Orbison or Ikevalu. Sorry? Did uh, Warrior Hargraves come back this week or last week? Uh, yeah, he was playing in the weekend. He's been yeah, but I can't team, remember actually. if he came last week. Oh, yeah, I, okay, uh, yeah. yeah, so touch on that. On the weekend... Roosters had Kiri, Crichton, Ikevalu, Orbison, and Lachlan Lambert. And that's the players they can get back this year. That doesn't include Verrills and Victor Radley, who won't be back till next year. Did Takiyahu pick up an injury? Uh, no, no, no. He got rested because, as Trent Robinson said, because they've had so many injuries, he deserved half a game because he's, he's played an 80 minute front row like seven times this year. Yeah, right. Because I saw, yeah, he only so, had seven minutes. And yeah, they gave him, he actually, he actually said, 
mate, you can have an early shower tonight. We've won this game and you've earned it. So he's Holy at that crap. point where he, Yeah. So it's when insane. Butcher scored that try, he'd been on the field since pretty much the sixth minute. Yeah. Oh, okay. my God. So, so this, is, this is what I think is Roos' strongest team. And remember, they've still got one, two, three, four, five, six people to come out. Two of them probably in, in, isn't in their strongest side. So up front, you've got Takiyahu, friend, Rear Hargraves. Your back row scares the shit out of me. You've got Boyd Cordner, Sonny Bill Williams, and Angus Brighton. Position them how you want. The back line, they pretty much had this back line. Flanagan, Keary, Manu, Morris, Tupo, Mor- Morris, and Tedesco. With Orbison, Liu, Collins, Butcher, or Tupanua on the bench. So... In this squad on the weekend, who scored 58 points, Tupanua, who destroyed the Broncos, doesn't look like he he may not get in the top 17. Freddie Lusick, Famasuli, and yeah. So, Lindsay Collins, Collins, I imagine he will because he's the best backup front rower. Um, Freddie Lussie won't get a run, obviously. Um, Hutchinson will get dropped. So for a team that's going to get, who scored 58 points, one, and Nat Butcher won't play. One, oh, he two. Will. I think Nat Butcher will get a bench spot. Yeah, but that's the thing. You don't know. <laughs> you just yeah, don't know if he will. Like, I, I, I see it as a, a fight between Butcher, Butcher and Tupanua because on the bench. Because Orbison's going to get a run. I imagine Isaac Liu's going to get a run. Uh-huh. I imagine Lindsay Collins is going to get a run. Because he, out of all of them, he's the most front roller-ish player. And then you've got to pick between Butcher and Satili Tupanua, who was probably their star players on the weekend. So, And then that's anyone, not also giving you a backup hooker. Yeah, so... Yeah, like Robinson likes to play with. Yeah, but you've got to fit Orbison in there somewhere. So, anyone who thinks it's all right to rule out the Roosters, seriously, stop it. Like, do, you reckon people he would, reckon, do you reckon it'd come down to him not picking Orbison? Nah, not, not, he's retiring. There's no way in hell he won't pick Orbison. So, you reckon there is a point where um, there is player before team? Oh, well, he reckons that Orbison's his first pick every single week. Yeah, I know. I was just, I was just pushing. All right. Yeah, I know, but like Let's that's go how good they are. That there's a question on picking Orbison. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> Maybe it's Penrith soon. Um, <laughs> yes, Canberra in Canberra next week. That'll be that'll be fun. Sonny um, Bill will be back. Let's have a look. We are. This is taken. Too much time. Let's try and get through some of these other ones a bit faster. So, we've got first game on um, Saturday. Oh. Was the... you, could see, you could see the Warriors getting a win over the Knights. Um, I didn't see it being like this. Now, I love the fact that between the Warriors and the NRL, they got a game in Tamworth, um, which yeah, in the, the Warriors... We're taken in by Tamworth um, at, like, at the very start of this COVID thing. They've been playing with Tamworth postcode on their jerseys. Um, 
they could only allow 2,000 fans in uh, due to the COVID restrictions. Um, and and it'd be, it would have been interesting because uh, Knights would be their closest NRL team, uh, I believe. Um, and yeah. you've got their adopted team in the Warriors. So pretty much every part of this game was quite loud. And considering it was, what, a, a six-all halftime or an eight-six? Uh, eight-six. Eight-six. Yeah. And then they ran out 36-6 winners when the Knights had so much to play for. Warriors are one win outside the eight. Yeah, so for this game, everyone's... Um saying that Tua Vasashek played a great game, which he did. He scored, I think, two tries and two tries. Mm-hmm. The person who won it for him was Jazz Tavaker. He yeah. destroyed oh, he's Newcastle. so good. He's yeah, so like, they could not hold the ball for an offload every single time, and that's what killed us. We just would not think. The funny thing about this game for me is the whole game, I thought we were still going to come back. Mm. Like, because I, I always felt that once, if Newcastle ever get get into Warriors 20, we're going to score. Which we, I think we blew two or three tries, actually. So, um, good on Warriors. They smacked us. And, yes. Have you we have you played. seen someone look so different after they get a haircut than Chanel Harris-DeVita? Yeah, he looks like a little weirdo, eh? I, I <laughs> could not even pick... I'm like, I knew... I know I'm looking at him, but we're going... He, he does not even look... Yeah. I, I love... You know a player who we're talking about Darius Boyd earlier on with regards to work ethic and stuff. I, 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 there's nothing I've ever seen that this player's ever had a lack of work ethic. He's played for Manly, um, and physically he is, I think, more gifted than we give him credit for. If he could be more consistent, Peter Hiku. <sighs> did you his setup try to Pompey? Yeah. Where he was outside, burnt around. Who was your centre? Um, Tuala. Tuala. No. Nah. Hand palmed him at full speed, and then his little flick he's always been good at. Mm. Like that was a two on two that he made look like a three on two, just with his pace, size, and yeah. and skill. And man, yeah, so just uh, consistency has always been his thing. Like we know he scored a hat trick earlier this year, and then he won't do anything for two weeks, and then he comes out and has a game like this. He's yeah. ultimately frustrating, but damn, he's got some skills. So we're our back line's going to be our biggest point of contention next year because our forward pack can mix, mix it with everyone. But our back line is just... It's not great. Um, take away Pierce and Ponga. There's, uh, and probably Hunt, maybe. I think he's been pretty consistent. There's not many players in that back line who do well. Who make that walk, Yeah, that teams. walk straight in. Brad, yeah, so obviously you got Bradman Best. Sorry? Yeah, you'd say Brad, Bradman Best to get a run, but he's still got to work on his yeah. defence, obviously, but he's only nine. Yeah, um, and then I'm, I'm really hoping because I don't know, I, don't know I, I, I wasn't on the podcast when he got signed, but there's a young player from England, Dominic Young. Um, yeah. Like six foot nine, 98 kilos. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Edric Lee comes back. So. Next year, our back line's going to look very different, but our four-pack can handle it. Our back line can't. And that's, what, that's what's doing us in. Because Tuala and Shibasaki are not... They, they, they're solid players, but they're like a Brendan Elliott. A they player guys in a jersey. 
Yeah, unfortunately. And I like Tuala. I, I never really liked Shibasaki, but I like Tuala. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we're letting, getting, that, that's where most NRL teams are targeting. And then I know you like Hiku, but I think they made him look very good in the weekend. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, teams can do that with him, but he also does that to himself. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, move on, move on. We just did, we play like shit. That's the bottom line. Yeah. And I said Warriors were one win outside their eight, they're two because um, Sharks got their win, which we're about to talk yeah. about. Um, a stat going into this game, I, I still can't believe Cowboys have now not won at Jubilee since 2003, and that continues. That's ridiculously long for yeah. a team not winning away. Brighton Acora was looking like Brighton Acora. His. If you haven't seen the highlights of this, um, I, I don't really think it does justice to his first try with the depth that he ran from. And then any any second rowers out there or anyone who plays, and when they're talking about edge forwards, look at the change of pace that he has, the, the couple of steps before he gets the ball and the deft foot. Um, he makes Cohen Hess look like uh, a literally a turnstile, and Cohen Hess is one of the biggest size-wise second rowers in our game. It was a brilliant line that you want your second rower running, um, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, he, he looks he looks like he what he was doing last year." Uh, Sione Katoa picked up another one. Talakai looked good. He came off the bench, but again, that was set up um, on the inside. Braden Trindle, man. He had a blind. Yeah. He had such a weird up and down game, but he came out definitely on top. Um, needed that with, with Johnson again being ruled out late, and then Valentine Holmes. Um, kicking was really good. Positioning was actually pretty good, uh, and Cole felt picking up his tries as he does. Still one of the best finishers best wingers in the game for both of the Cowboys tries. Big one here for the Cowboys. Michael Morgan going off just after he's come back. Uh-huh. Uh, which are you just watching the, that run? No, no. Just Michael Morgan. They're oh, not yeah. going to win without him. No, they, they, they can't. And um, Andrew Fafita was back in this one. I... He's not a very like he's he's not a liked figure really in NRL circles with regards to supporters outside of the Sharks and um, Tonga when he plays for Tonga in New South Wales when he played for New South Wales. But I've always enjoyed watching him play until probably this last season and a half. I I I, I can't see him getting back to even close what he used to do. He's had so much time off this year nursing an injury, and he, he has his first game back off off the bench. And the amount of metres he ran laterally instead of straight up. He used to bend yeah. defensive lines backwards, then get the offload away and create all this space. Whereas here he... Yeah, so... We, it's we it's a shame watching him play like this. You just had, you had, sorry, we actually had this conversation early in the year when I said that on Fafita's day, he's more, he can be as just as damaging as Tumalolo. He yeah, just hasn't definitely. done it he just hasn't done it in what two, three, four years now, um, which is really disappointing because, as Adam said, he is a quality front row. I think he's probably got one more year left in him. 
max, but yeah, well, it is what it is now. He played 31 minutes off the bench and made um, 11 hit-ups for 82 metres. <laughs> yeah, that's not good enough. For, and, and, for an international standard player like he is, Yeah, that's not good enough. Deep, like, you got Royce Hunt played the exact same number of minutes. Seven hit-ups for 76 metres. Um, yeah. and, and out and beat out Andrew Fafida on post contact meters like that's it's crazy. It he looks like he's holding himself back from contact, which is not how Fafida plays. Sharks Sharks are staying around um, with their win. They hold on to eighth position. They keep that four point gap um, above the Warriors, and they're one win away from uh, South in sixth position with the Knights in between them due to their draw. Now. Sharks could cause a lot of the teams up here headaches because they've got the talent all over the park and that's another team that's been having to jump in between injuries all year. Um, I'm enjoying watching them play this year, especially when they're on. Braden Ueli uh, is is a great forward to watch. Um, He's like a fast wrecking ball. Yeah, so Braden Ueli, um, Braden Ueli, Royce Hunt and... Um, Toby Rudolph are the future of that squad in their forward pack. I think they're going. Oh, if Toby they Rudolph build is it, huge coming off the bench. Yeah, if you can, if they could build over up over those three, um, I'm pretty sure Toby Rudolph's already backflipped on. Yeah, the Warriors, Warriors hasn't he? So yeah, if they can build on those three, because you still got Graham to teach him, you still got Nakora, but those three can be so dominant. Um. And yeah, as Adam said, I keep saying they could definitely be a dark horse in this competition, knock a few teams. I don't think they can win it, but they can knock a few fancy teams out in the finals, yeah. I reckon, because the quality they do have in their squad. And talking about quality, uh, the last game on Saturday night, uh, Warri- uh, Warriors, Penrith versus Tigers. Uh, Tigers actually scored first in this one um, through their goal score, uh, try scoring freak in Norfoluma. Um, and then it was pretty much the Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary show. And after this game, I think someone posted a picture of Jerome Luai and uh, Cleary when they were, what, eight years old, 10 years old, playing together? No, they were like 14, 15. Were they? I saw. Yeah. Yeah, I know. When could, I saw him. I'm not great with that. But um, that's the thing with this Penrith team. There's a lot of players in this squad that have been playing as a, as a group. And I think they talked about it post-match, just in commentary, that if you haven't watched, if you didn't watch this game after it finished, the players walked around and waved to the fans as they do. But the fans were on their feet clapping for five minutes um, after the, the full-time siren. And it, it was an odd sort of thing to see for a regular season game. I know it's against their rivals and the Tigers, but if it's an away game, I get it. If you're away supporters, you don't see your team very often, but considering this was a home game for Penrith and their supporters were still up on their feet clapping after five minutes. Yeah. What, so these kids for like, what, five years, six years before they've made it into the NRL and now they're playing together in the NRL? Yeah, so it's been... Um, fans. 
So Andrew Voss always does an article every year. Uh, sorry, every week of the things he likes, things he hates. He gives you a bit of rundown every game. I love it because I love Vossi. He's hilarious. But one of the things he said in the things he dislikes is the COVID implications on Penrith. In the fact that, you know, Melbourne and Roosters, their supporters have had a few years of success where they could actually, you know, enjoy it at the stadiums. Penrith haven't had that much success in the last five or six years or close to well, 10. Shouldn't go back that far. Too bad. Well, they have won a grand finals in 03. Oh, now really shook. Yeah, haven't really shook it up really since then. So that's what he's saying, that the Pembroke supporters haven't had a chance to really identify the players with a full stadium, which is quite disappointing for them because of how well they've done this year. Like, they've, they're looking at breaking a few records, playing, like winning 12, 11, 12. Yeah, there you go, in a row but they're not getting the packed-out stadiums, which would have happened if COVID yeah. was around. So it's actually a little bit disappointing for them. I know my little brother's already looking at winning, uh, buying grand final tickets, but, yeah. It's um, their start to this season. That's round 16. Uh, what are they, 15 and 1? Yeah. Um, do you know how many teams have done that in the modern era? So. Well, 14, yeah. one and one. I forgot about the draw that they had with the Knights. Yeah, well, they still have not beaten Newcastle. No. Do you know how many teams have done that? No. Two. There you go. That's pretty good. 94 Sea Eagles and the Canterbury team that um, had their points stripped. They're the only yeah, okay. teams that have started a season this well. Yeah, so good on them. Gillis. Um Especially we, about the Melbourne and Roosters team. Me and Adam have been super critical of them um, all year. More so, the, more so the media, I think. But we can't stop the nine and they're going to be premiership. Fred, it looks like they're going to get the minor premiership unless they start dropping a few and they've got a very good run home. Yeah. Um, so it looks like they're going to get the minor premiership. So it's going to be... Oh, it's going to be hard to put up my little brother, but you kind of got to respect them because I didn't like their team at the start of the year, but they're doing quite well now. To me, there's no doubt who um, is coach of the year, and it's Cleary in that. You, you, there'd still be NRL fans who um, could see the Penrith team walk past them on the street, and you'd recognise Cleary because... He's got a big head, and you'd probably recognise um, Kikau. He looks like a judge. Yeah, but these aren't, they're still not household names or household faces, but they, they would recognise, they, they would recognise Mansour because he's walking around shirtless. Oh, yeah, okay. But <laughs> it's not like these aren't superstar players, they're not superstar names, um, they're not the pin up athletes of the NRL, but he has them firing like they're yeah. absolute world beaters and they're playing for each other. They're playing as a team. Their chemistry's there. Players go out. Players come in. Isaiah Yeo, one of their cogs, spent time on the sideline of this one. They've got no kick out at the moment. Edwards has played. Yeah. So, it's, what, what it's I would a good... like to say is that... They haven't done it in finals yet. No, no, not that. that because... Oh, okay. They will prove that you've got to build your reputation of finals and this is their best chance to do it. No, 
The only criticism and doubt you probably could have over the top of them is, and this isn't their fault, and this is it's just gone in their favour. They haven't had injuries this year. Like it'd be interesting if the, how they could handle it with as much as Melbourne and Roosters with the injuries they've had to be still where they are. If you do you understand that? It's not a criticism, it's just an observation. No, it's, it's say what I said with Parramatta. That Parramatta and Penrith are the two teams who haven't had injuries. Yeah. And you look at so, how they're flying at the moment, or well, one is, one's not really. Um, they haven't. Yeah, like, I think it's a perfect comparison. And um, their biggest injury has been uh, Dylan Edwards and Caleb Acker yeah. came in and filled in like <laughs> Dylan Edwards is the better player, but Aikens is. Not bad. It's like Will Kennedy like, Sharks. Like, if you look at their top eight, the top eight right now, um, all of them have had a major injury except for Pembroke. So, Melbourne obviously have. Parramatta lost Moses for a few weeks and then they're going to lose Brown. But Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's a major injury. I'd say major yeah. five, six weeks. So, we're not even going to talk about Roosters because they've been fucked over by everything. Um, Josh, Josh Hodgson got lost from um, Canberra. But they're still fighting really hard. Um, South Sydney, they've been on and off with a lot of their, their back lines changed that many times this year. They've been absolutely ridiculous. I think Cody Walker was out a fair amount. Um, Newcastle's pretty well stated how much they've lost this year. Every yeah. if you um, and Cronulla, well, Fafita yeah. hasn't been on four more years. So they they are very that. lucky, but they haven't faced the adversity the other teams had. Oh, uh, well, has been out. Has he? Oh, but only like two weeks at a time. He hasn't had. They haven't had an ACL or multiple long seasons. Yeah, yeah, that's like, what you're saying. Yeah, so that, that's not a criticism of them, but yeah, it's just um one thing to note. Yeah. About All right, let's um yeah. let's go on to the two Sunday games. Um, <laughs> now the first one. Uh, Melbourne did what was expected. Um, I was already scared of this game or worried uh, in the fact that Cam Smith and Munster both came back this game after their uh, injuries. Um, this was not a... How Melbourne played was how, how you expected Melbourne to play with Slater at the back. The, the yeah. movement of the ball in the back line... Um, the combination of Olam and Addo Carr was freaking brilliant. Uh, a set play off the scrum for a, a prop. Um, some of their tries were damn good. Like, if you haven't seen Cameron Smith's and Josh Addo Carr's try, look it up. It, it's Cam Smith jumping into dummy half, what, 30 metres out from his own line, uh, looking to get Manly on the back foot with an early 40-20 kick. That's what the commentators thought. I think that's what most people in the stadium thought. He just booted the ball downfield because he saw Manley's fullback to Vita Funa was out of position. And Addo Carr sprinted, got there with <laughs> he eight could have jogged there, um, and scored the try. It was a set play to kick the ball as far as you could on the 30-meter line, the second tackle, because you've got one of the fastest wingers, or yeah, one of the fastest wingers in the comp. Um, to score. And it was freaking brilliant. It was like backyard bullshit footy. But it was, yeah. you could see it was planned. And 
That's the impact Cam Smith has. Like, yeah. He so, from yeah. his eyes are up. Boom. Go get it. They did it a couple of weeks ago, but that was the finisher game, not at the stage yeah. that it was in now. And um, Albert Hopawadi, I've been looking forward to his debut all year. And uh, yeah, he found out it's not all about attacking. You finally got to defend. And Olam kind of ran through him for the first try. And whole, whole pocket rocket. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was what, one, two, three, five tries scored down his side. So. Uh, Welcome to the NRL, young man. Yeah, so Manly, uh, Manly oh, were man- always going to be up. Again. Manly got a prop to prop try. That was nice. Yeah. That's always yeah. Cool. Manly, Manly are always going to be up against in this game. Unfortunately, they and Des Hasler has been like oh, dropping his head. I'm disappointed with Des. Eh? I got to be honest for this season. Well. I was just going to say, Des Hazard would have been dropping his head when he heard that Bellamy released that Cam Munster was definitely going to be playing. on. I'm pretty sure he said it on the Saturday afternoon or something when he released the seven. And then he's like, you know what? I'll put Jack Kajeski in the centre. That'll fix it. <laughs> yeah, so when he was looking that, for a bench second rower, you can have him. Des Hazard probably, probably just dropped his head and just went, oh, for fuck's sake, what, why must you do it? It's the same as... Um, we talked about it last week when Roosters just announced like they're going to bring back four of their star players yeah. against. Like, it's what it's literally like we said, whipping a dead horse or plucking a dead fucking eagle. Like, what? Did you just make that because it's the Seagulls? Yeah, that's all I can think of, really. But yeah, so that that was the problem. Um, eagle rocked. Yeah, you guys just you guys just everything was going against you. You guys probably hit more injuries pretty hard as well you have been yeah um i'm not gonna put decide it. all this one based around manly and their ass kicks i did that last week um <laughs> so i just said South so, rabbit so i was like That's we, we could, yeah unless you've got anything more to say it wasn't no. like justin island scored three tries uh sevi um, out acl tear um yeah likely so you'd think you got franco lee you got momorowski you've got um sandorel they've got um, I feel like I'm. I'm guessing Branko Lee will get another crack. Yeah. Um, I do guys. Sorry. You know what I'd like to see, and I know it will never happen, but I would love to see them put Famasili out in the out in the centres. He's definitely got the speed, and I reckon he's agile enough to put some size out there. I reckon that I reckon it'd be awesome. They've got enough forwards to cover him. But I reckon it'd just be a little thing that plays. Morosky's pretty big. He's not as big as Sam Sully. No, of course he's not. But for a centre, he's pretty big. Yeah, no, I just reckon that he would be ideal for it. I reckon he'd be really good for it. All right. Just for yeah. Man, we'll say Manly's done and dusted, and Melbourne are coming good when it counts. Yeah, and the big thing for I think for the Melbourne here, like Munster made his return, and he did what he had to do, but. Um, he didn't have to run the show. It wasn't run around yeah. him. Um, but I don't know if you guys saw, but on Instagram, I think it was, it might have been on Twitter. Um, Brandon Smith was running water, and his comment was, "I've worked um, so hard for most of my life to achieve my dream of being an NRL water boy, and today my I dream." What is a ball boy? A ball boy. Sorry, yeah, it was yeah. brilliant. Um, anyway, so last game of the weekend. 
Yeah, and I've got a gripe about this. Of course you do. Fuck you, Canberra. <laughs> Why did you have to win? I know. Vossi actually said it on the week, on his little Vossi's verdict page that Broncos deserve to be the wooden spoon. on the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. And Canberra could have just threw this game for everyone in the NRL to be like, okay, that's fine. You could lose that game. It's all good. They wouldn't even advertise it as upset. Canberra lose, Broncos on on the bottom. That's how it would be advertised. Like, no one would give a shit. Yeah, it's looking at. Actually, I'll get to it because I got I got something to post here before we finish up. But so let's have a look here. Um, Lachlan Lewis actually looked up to the outside um, to see if there were defenders this time and did a damn good dish of a pass out to Lezes Zelezniak to kick off the scoring and um. At half time, Bulldogs had run of this game. They were up twenty to twelve. Uh, Canberra were making a, a fair number of mistakes. I believe Jack White and ran the ball once in the whole first half. Um, and yeah, and Ricky Canberra Stewart got hold of him. No, he was very calm in the change room uh, yeah. because last week, if you remember, it was eight six to Canberra over the Broncos um, before they ran out 36-6 winners and smoked them off in the second half. Same thing happened here. Bulldogs were scoreless in the second half. They were up 20-12 at halftime, and uh, Canberra scored 22 points. So, so, do, you know how, do you know how Ricky Stewart's super emotional? Like, mm. when he's happy, you can tell. When he's angry, you can really tell. I wonder if they fear him more when he's quiet. Oh hell yeah, hundred percent. Oh, imagine that because he when he's happy he'll tell you like he he, he he's he's le- he wears his emotions on his sleeve, old yeah. Ricky. But I don't know if he's really quiet like you said. They'll be like they'll like oh, oh shit. When they did the halftime report, uh, they were saying did because that the commentator said well, Ricky Stewart would probably lay into him at halftime, and the sideline report said no no he was very calm. He said all we want to do is hold the ball second half and we'll come away with this. First attacking sec, Jared Croker did a flick pass, went over the sideline, and they flicked to Ricky Stewart on the side, uh, on his sideline, just sitting there, chewing his gum, just <laughs> not giving anything away. You can just tell on the inside, fuck. <laughs> I'm starling. That's, that's, oh, it's it's super disappointing for Stewart because his best attribute probably limits him so much. Because he can't show emotion when he's on the sideline. Because everyone hearing. I, th- I still think but, he does. When the, in the no, no, but he can't swear like Craig Bellamy does. Or yeah, who yeah. else is pretty emotional in the change in the in the box? Um, oh, That's there's, an there's Holbrook, actually. Yeah, so ha- 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 his whole head gets red. Yeah, red. Uh, actually, Adam O'Brien gets a bit nasty. He goes. Oh, he nutty. does. That yeah. Is- so, like, Ricky Stewart can't do that, but he's the one you want to see react mm. because he's a nutter. He's insane. Oh, yeah. So, that's he probably does that. That's half the reason he's on the sideline, so he doesn't get $10,000 fines every single time. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, Tom Starling, again, another starring performance. He got Simbind in the 44th minute, and that sandwich, two tries. So, one in the 17th, one in the 70th. Um, I, I'm seeing him being their starting hooker. Uh, for the rest of the season, I would say, the, the form that he's in. Now, we mentioned... Yeah, he's a good player. Oh, he is. 
Jack Whiten ran once in the first half, uh, ended up with two tries in the second half, both from running. Um, and literally the second one was just palming a, a, a reserve forward in the throat, basically, and pushing him on his ass to run over him. Um, I, I reckon he could justify himself as the strongest 5'8 in the comp. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, he's mon- he's massive. And he's I, I, it, it had me thinking, right? Like, we mentioned us and Seagrade a bunch of times and people had rung up, ro- uh, would rock up hungover or people would rock up knowing that they're going to the pub after and whatever and your head's not in the game. When you get to this level and this is your job, I still find it hard to believe where someone like Jack Whiten in one game will just be like, no, I don't think I should run it today. Oh, I don't know if I'll do that well. Like, and it made me think of Anthony Milford when he was at Canberra. <laughs> and then when he started at Broncos, it's the same freaking person. And he used to just run, the sh- just run teams to shreds. Confident, just run, step, do what you can, do, do your thing. Um, I think like you're watching me. I'm like, this is the same dude. Yeah, I think run the ball. For, I think Anthony Milford's biggest problem was moved to five eight. Yeah, yeah, that was his hundred percent biggest the, problem. Jack Whiten did the same move. Hmm. He was a fullback who moved to five eight. He could still play fullback. He'd be yeah. one of the biggest fullbacks, but. Yeah, like, you know, Stuart would have just said to him at halftime, mate, can you just, like, run the ball? Do something. And, <laughs> and you saw him in the scene, you know, he just when he got the ball, he decided just to run. And yeah. honestly, I didn't see what is. Let's have a look. Um, so, yeah, so he does one hit up in the first half, ends up with eight. So he did seven hit ups in the second half. Um, comes away with 86 metres. Seven tackle breaks, two line breaks, two tries. Um, that's nuts. It, 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 you could have just seen Ricky. She was like, mate, can you just, like, you just run the ball? Because um, we'll probably win. I don't think he said it that G-rated. But, yeah, I think that conversation was had. Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't think he would have made a big point of it. He would have just been in his ear. Because as soon as Whiten's running, um, that allows... Clockstad, Croker, all that time to sweep and do whatever they need to. Um, it's going to be a cracker down there in, in Canberra next week. Raiders versus yeah. Roosters. Yeah, and I hope Sonny Bill does yeah. come out. I'm but I hope the, the Raiders media... starting slowly. They've, they've got to pick up their starts. So it's two weeks in a row yeah. where they've been clunky in the first half and then just blitz at the second half. Yeah. Um, um, I hope Channel 9 yeah. don't do what they did last year. Remember when Sonny Bill debuted against... Oh, not debuted. Came back against South Sydney last time? No. So, they had a yes. Sonny Bill camera. They got run over first. Uh, Sam Burgess ran over him first. Yeah, but they had a Sonny Bill camera. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, I hope they don't make this game all about Sonny Bill if he does come back. Because... Um, it's going to be an amazing game, even if he wasn't there. Yeah. So it's going to be a top-flight game. So I hope they don't make it all about him because there's so many other stories. Like you've got Tedesco versus Nickel Clockstad. You've got Papali versus Rhea Hargraves, which will just be huge. You've got the old old crafty Jake Friend, maybe, if he gets back from his concussion, versus the young upstart and Tom Starling, if he starts. So... Mm-hmm. 
there's so many massive things. Like you got Cordner, the 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 hard running second role versus probably Whitehead, who's probably a bit more adventurous in the way he plays. Like you few offloads, few flip passes and stuff yeah. like that. So there's so much of that going on, but they're all going to focus on Sonny Bill again. All right. I'm going to throw this to you. This is what I've been holding off on. Um, who gets wooden spoon from here to the end? So we've got four games left. Bulldogs for and against is negative 150. Yeah. Broncos is negative 300. So we're like, say, take for and against out of it. Um, they've both got four games left. Now, both the Bulldogs and the Broncos play Penrith and the Titans. Broncos play top, uh, Penrith at home um, next round. And Bulldogs play Penrith at home, so they don't have to travel. Bulldogs and Broncos uh, and Titans, that's a wash anyway. But So they both versus Penrith and Titans. Broncos also have Parramatta. And they also have the Cowboys. Parramatta away, Cowboys at home. Um, Bulldogs instead have Manly and Rabbitohs. Unfortunately, Broncos have a better run home. But you'd say you'd say Cowboys and Para um, are easier than Seagulls and Rabbits. Yes. Remember, Broncos are travelling for the Parramatta game. Yeah. So, I don't think... The thing about it is, I don't think Bulldogs will beat... Uh, Broncos will beat anyone bar maybe Cowboys. Understand. Bulldogs don't have to leave Sydney for the last four weeks, by the way. Yeah. So, but I think... I think Bulldogs could beat Manly. Yeah, so do I. So, I don't think... Um, at, the way I see it, there's eight games to look into. Two of them, you say Gold Coast. Yeah, they both have to verse the Titans. See, tell you what, that'd be a good game between Bulldogs and Gold Coast. They've both got really good at it. Well, right, really right, now the, right now, the bet is $1.90 each. Yeah, so I, I think Bulldogs could beat Manly and Gold Coast. And that's what I they don't the think two. Yeah, I don't think... They can uh, Broncos can win any of the four the way they're playing. You know what is also in the Bulldogs' favour, I believe. They have Titans and Seagulls next. They don't have Penrith till the last round. Now, if Penrith has already tied up the minor premiership, there's a chance they'll be resting players. Um, so Bulldogs could be taking on a, let's say, depleted. Win. Um, planned, whereas Broncos versus Penrith next week. And then they versus the Eels second last. And they could be fighting for a any position between second and fourth. Uh, so I'm... Yeah, if Broncos are going to win any of these four, it'll be the Cowboys, and that's the last round. Yeah, so here's our... And if you're a Broncos supporter... The thing about it is, you're going to hate me saying this, but if you look at it logically, Broncos deserve the wooden spoon. Oh, yeah. They've been horrible. No two ways about it. Broncos 100% deserve it. Um, if you watched any games this year, you'd understand. So, yeah. oh, post-COVID. Because the things that's saving them right now 
is I think they've won one game since COVID came back. The thing that's saving them right now is those first two games where they were really played. They played really well in those first two games. Yeah. Um, so. Whereas Bulldogs have had effort all year. They just haven't had talent. Yeah. So if, 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 if you put Bulldogs effort in Broncos, the team they had, they'd be in the top eight right now. Andy Seabold would be the greatest, one of the best coach Broncos they've ever had. And, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's just. Different storylines. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, I, I believe that Broncos are gonna get the wooden spoon with the with the run homes. All right, so we're gonna wrap it up there, guys, because it's eleven o'clock our time. Um it's at least a two hour episode, so I hope you enjoy that. Um <laughs> I've caught up on all our YouTube clips, so if you want to jump on there, um you can see me wearing this hideous jersey for the last couple. Uh, this one will be hopefully posted up tomorrow. And I am going to catch up on my beer of the week. So for those who have been listening from the start, I was doing a craft beer of the week every Sunday. Uh, I've got about four or five to catch up on. It's just about getting time to do it. So I'm hoping to get them done this week. Um, thank you again for all the support. Continue to like, share, uh, rate and review. I believe you can do that on Spotify and on Apple Pod. Um, we're still working on a couple of guests between now and the end of the season. We know it's getting busier for everybody, but, uh, on top of that, I think what we can take out around 16 is the top teams are showing that they're still the top teams in Penrith, Roosters and the Storm, all with comprehensive wins. Um, and it's looking like Parramatta, Rabbits and Raiders are, are kind of the next, next tier. And that'll shake out over the next couple of weeks as some of them are playing each other. Um, all I'm hoping as a Manly supporter for the rest of the season is not to see Tom Trebojevic and to give Albert Hopawadi a crack at the fullback jersey for the next four. Um, and what, I, what I'm hoping for the rest of the season is to see Tom Trebojevic and get him ready for Origin. I'd rather him play Origin and not play any more Manly games. No, because I want him to have at least some game time before he walks into Origin. He'll have four weeks of pre-season basically going into Origin. Yeah, into play season. three games, get your hammies uh, all good. And then yeah. have four weeks to recover them, then walk on Origin and rip through Moses and by. No, that'd be worse for him. Him <laughs> press and build up for four weeks and walk into a centre position. Um, anyway, guys, so we'll come back to you Thursday morning with our round 17 preview and um, we'll talk to you then. See you guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.